You're listening to Earshot. That was Canis Major and Canis Minor, a movement from Constellations for Piano by composer David Liptak. That was performed by pianist Unmi Ko, the president and founding member of the Contemporary Art Music Project. Today we will sit down with composer David Liptak and talk about some of his music, including Hocket, a piece for solo piano recently premiered on one of our Contemporary Art Music Project concerts. Hello, and welcome to Earshot episode number three. I'm sitting down today with composer David Liptak here at the Eastman School of Music um, to talk to him about some of the work he's been doing and some of the music he's been writing that's been performed by members of Contemporary Art Music Project, specifically our um, uh, president and pianist, Unmi Ko. Thank you for being here, David Liptak. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to speak with you. Um, we can start by, I think, introducing yourself and um, talking a little bit about the music that you've been writing and, and um, what's been sort of propelling you in these directions. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> I'll introduce myself briefly. I am um, um, a composer. I uh, have been for the last 40 years also a teacher. Uh, my first job was at Michigan State University, and then I spent six years at the University of Illinois. And for the last 30, 
I think it's now 35 years I've been at the Eastman School of Music. Um, so I've been uh, involved with uh, a whole bunch, uh, many younger composers, uh, and it's really, I think, been uh, one of the propelling and important things in my life. Uh, I've always composed, uh, apart from that, um, jobs. It's a bit like having two jobs in a way. So um, um, most of my work that I, I do are, is collaborative. That means I work for players and I work on um, by fulfilling requests or on commission. And uh, often they, uh, these relationships with performers become really important to me in my professional work. And I'm hoping it'll be also meaningful to them. And one of those performers is the pianist Dun Miko, who I uh, got to know when I visited uh, the University of South Florida uh, for the first time in the, um, oh gosh, um, some years ago. I was there with John Graham. Uh, we were having a performance of my viola con concerto for uh, uh, viola solo plus percussion quartet, and uh, Robert McCormick had set that up. And then that I was introduced to Unmi, um, who um, has uh, been a real staunch supporter of my music, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I, I've sort of similar. I met Unmi at, when I was a student at the University of South Florida, mm -hmm. and she's also been someone who's uh, helped me quite a bit. She's played some of my music and um, has been the performer that I've really enjoyed having a sort of relationship with to create music. And I think that's also, especially for me as, as, a, as a much younger composer and as someone sort of just starting out, I think um, I found that building those sorts of relationships has been really important to getting my music played and getting sort of interest in my music, or um, especially from performers. Um, I think something like Contemporary Music Project or something like this allows for the more of that kind of relationship building, um, uh, especially with someone like me who's doing so much. Oh, I agree with you completely. Uh, I've had some collaborators like the baritone William Sharp I've been working with ever since I was in, we were in graduate school together. Um, I've written him three song cycles. He's done um, three recordings of my music uh, on CD. And um, we continue to work. I'm writing a new piece. Well, I've written a new piece that's going to be performed in the spring for him uh, for uh, soprano, baritone, and orchestra, which will be done here at the Eastman School in April. Um, that collaboration is a lengthy one. My collaboration with Unmi uh, started uh, much more recently, uh, but it has been completely, you know, uh, successful and I think for me a, a real source of inspiration for my work. Yeah. Um, so uh, sort of going off of that, let's talk a little bit about or introduce Hockett, the, the piece that we premiered at this previous Contemporary Art Music uh, concert. Um, could you introduce the piece a little bit and talk about um, sort of just the piece a little bit? I think I can. Um, sometimes when I write music, I do it in a way which uh, um, is an invention on its own. I don't follow particular plans. And I have to say that now because Hockett was some music I'd written uh, two or three decades ago. And uh, I didn't tell this to Unmi, so she'll be, she'll be learning this when she hears this podcast. Uh, uh, but it never really uh, found its way into anything, uh, in, in anything that I would wanted to keep. And so I, I just kept it in my notebook on reserve. And it's not exactly what came out in this piano piece, which is, um, you know, which was uh, uh, something that was based on that older uh, collection of ideas. Um, this Hockett is, a kind of a real hocket. I mean, where notes enter 
lace with each other as the piece goes on, and it's more complicated than that. So you hear sometimes uh, the things sounding together in harmonies, but it's definitely a contrapuntal piece. Uh, it's lively, it's short, uh, it's uh, a piece which I think is uh, uh, well suited to uh, Unmi's uh, personality as a pianist, as I've come to know it to be, mm -hmm. uh, from working with her on other larger pieces like my collection Constellations. Yeah, uh, I, I remember from listening to the premiere online, um, I was sort of struck by how um, uh, how much it connected with a lot of the ways that she's been playing other kinds of music, this sort of... Um, uh, I had a piece performed by her that was similarly very short and had a lot of sort of action. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think that that's like uh, really interesting and, and something that uh, really fits with her personality. Um, so we'll go ahead and play that piece now. Um, okay. And then we can talk about it a little bit more after it's done. Yeah, so thank you very much about that piece. It was really beautiful. Yeah. You know, I want to say something about Unmi's performance. And 
it's, a, it's something that I look for in all my collaborators. This is something I really enjoy about music making, is that uh, her interpretation of it is really her own. And I try to write my music, the notation, I try to make the notation so it, it allows for that to be a big part of what's going on. Um, and she, she and other collaborators that I've worked with that I uh, really value have shown me things in my music that would not have otherwise occurred to me that way. Even things which are, you know, things that I would not have written. Sometimes they're put into a context which are very convincing and I'm very pleased about. So I, I enjoy that, that kind of working process. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I, it's something, I, as a composer, I also really value the, the input of performers on my work. I, I often find that I'm writing more for performers than for anyone else. It's sort of um, one of the primary things that I'm thinking about um, is sort of the performer's experience of my music. Um, well, I think that's really healthy for a composer to do, to think about things in that way. And I think, especially as a, as a performer, it sort of leads me to think that way. You yeah. know? Um, uh, and so, um, is there like I know the piece is quite short, but is there anything you would add about um, about the piece or, or about uh, what you're sort of thinking about in this piece, or what something that anything that comes to mind, anything else? Uh, yes, I think that um, there is just some interpretive or rather uh, expressive quality to it, which I just um, uh, want to mention, and it's not really a fast piece. It's a rather sl slowly unfolding piece and the tempo is not, you know, extraordinary fast. It's, it's moving but it's not fast. It's a sort of a reflective piece. Um, a lot of pockets are not that. A lot of pockets have a lot of yeah, spiking to them. Yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff. sort but, of jagged almost. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But this one is different. It's a kind of um, uh, um, uh, almost remembering back kind mm -hmm. of pocket. Yeah, I know and, and the, the, that sort of uh, typical sort of jagged, um, sort of um, almost rough around the edges feeling of a hocket is not in this piece. It's a very like smooth and continuous um, mm -hmm. sort of flowing piece. Um, yeah. and I, I really enjoy it. Thank you well, thank for you. sharing yeah. it with us. So I sort of want to pivot and talk a little bit more. You had mentioned talking about um, sort of composing and being a teacher. And um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think some of the composers we've had on um, so far aren't really teachers or aren't really doing sort of working in a university setting or doing this sort of thing. So I wonder if there's maybe a sort of conversation that we can have about um, what you sort of value about the combination of teaching and composing um, or, or what you think the, the role of teaching is in your composing. Because this is a conversation I've had with a couple of composers. I know it's kind of a strange question, but a couple of composers about um, sort of how uh, their, um, the, the work that they're doing as teachers has like uh, affected them as a composer. Um, sure, I um, I understand your question. By the way, I mean there's uh, there's a, there are several different parts to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, not just like how your students immediately impact you, but also sort of just how um, the sort of practice of teaching in general um, sort of affects you. I guess. Right. You know, I, I guess I want to start this by saying something about. You know, I mean, I, there are teachers who do, in fact, uh, you know, by virtue of the comp composition they do instruct their students. Uh, that's a large part of it. There's always a dialogue, which is apart from that, but uh, basically you study with a master and the master has this way of working and you try to emulate it or learn it. Uh, I don't think I've ever been like that, I'm afraid. Um, I think that that way of teaching is in fact valuable, but I, I, I have trouble doing that. I really am interested in my teaching in two things. I'm getting in getting um, as precise uh, I idea of the kind of vision the student has for writing a piece. And then the second part is um, to work um, very specifically on the mechanics of making the piece based on that idea. 
um, understanding what uh, you know what is not music yet is difficult, uh, but it uh, comes a little more easily as you get to know your students better. You understand the way they work and how they think, and um, you know it seems a little bit easier to sort of understand what they to to understand what they're saying when they describe the kind of piece they want to write. Mm -hmm. And I've always enjoyed getting inside that process. Um, I hardly ever, ever demonstrate my own music for my students, but of course we're in a school and we hear music everywhere and I'm sure that they know my work, but I don't use my work in my uh, lessons as, as illustrary. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, have a, uh, we pay some attention to other pieces, but in, in some ways it's more of a, of a help in teasing out the idea and uh, working with, through, w with them the process of making some sort of uh, notational realization of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Th yeah, that's really interesting. I, I know that. Um, I, I feel like you know we spend so much time talking to composers about composing. It's kind of nice to talk about teaching sometimes as a sort of supplement to that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, let's um, move on to uh, your piece, Constellations, which is a much larger work than the than Hockett. It's sort of um, has both in length and sort of um, I, I tend to feel like conceptually, um, it sort of covers more ground. So is, could you introduce this piece a little bit, um, and we'll probably play some excerpts, um, specifically the excerpts that Unmi performed on the same concert that premiered Hockett, and then we'll probably add in a couple other excerpts if you would like to add some more. Oh, so, okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, I wrote Constellations in 2000, uh, 2010, and it was for a pianist whose name is uh, Zuzana Zhevchek, uh, who was uh, at that time in the doctoral program studying here at Eastman. And uh, it, it, it was... Um, um, I wanted to write a big piece. I hadn't done that yet. I've written small pieces for the piano, but I wanted to write a large collection. Um, I uh, was interested in writing a piece which had some sort of unity to it in the way it was structured. So from the start, I decided that I would pursue one of my other more of a hobby interests, which is astrology. No, I didn't mean that. I meant astronomy. <laughs> but I really liked the stories of the constellations, and I like, you know, I like imagining stars, and I like trying any asterisms and find out what kind of constellations they belong to. It's been an interest of mine. So I thought I would try to structure the piece that way. And from the start, I decided to write a piece, um, and uh, each piece would be identified with a constellation that was in the southern sky. So we don't usually see it here in Rochester, New York. It's in the southern hemisphere. <clears throat> also, I decided not to use any of the constellations that are part of the zodiac. And that was sort of intentional. I realized that I was kind of, in writing this piece, I was following in the footsteps of George Crumb's Macrocosmos. Yeah, there was something that I immediately sort of identified with, with the piece. I sort of noticed right. that connection. Yeah, and, and I, I, so I didn't want to do zodiacal pieces. I didn't want to deny that uh, relationship, however, when I was, uh, I was a student at Eastman as well. And when I was in my graduate studies at Eastman, I played on... Uh, one of the Musica Nova concerts, the first volume of Macrocosmos, in, when it was almost new. It was 1974, I think, and I played it on that concert. And so I knew those, that collection of pieces, and later the second book, the third book, and the fourth book. I know all of those pieces really, really well. Uh, there are things that I decided to do in writing my piece which were deliberately not, not identified with Crumb's music. For example, everything I write is on the keys. Um, I don't use the zodiacal constellations in the themes of things going on. And these pieces, and there are nine in my set, 
are, um, you know, it's, they're different in the way they're, they're uh, put together in length and in other ways. I think if I wanted to make a comparison to an earlier composition, I would have to go all the way back to Schumann and Chrysleriana, which is a piece I really love, and it, it's part of what, it's a big part of what Constellations, I think, sort of grows from. But in any case, I chose the constellations so that the nine pieces were divided in three groups of three. The first group usually has something to do with uh, um, a, a big figure, a hunter like Orion. The second has something to do with uh, animals. The third has something to do with a bird. And each of the third, each each uh, the third of each of the three groups of three, uh, also uses a quote of Robert Schumann. Uh, which is either pretty obvious or really hidden, almost beyond recognition. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't know the connection with Schumann. I, had, I, I wasn't super familiar with that, that aspect of the work. Um, but certainly with the sort of crumb connection, just because of the sort of uh, almost uh, very surface-level symbolism of the work that sort of um, yeah. align in that way. Um, no, I think uh, these pieces I was introduced to through Udmi's performance of them. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe she performed some at USF while I was there, and then um, uh, with the release of, the, of her recordings of them, right. that were really, really quite incredible. Those are probably the recordings that I'll play in this um, in this podcast. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that recording as well, because I know that that sort of was part of that collaboration with Udmi, right? Um, that, which also has the percussion or the concerto for piano and percussion with working with Robert McCormick? Well, Unmi um, um, asked about playing my music um, uh, some years ago, some maybe six or seven years ago. And in connection with one of my visits down there to uh, Tampa, uh, she decided that she would be uh, learning some of the pieces of Constellations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she started slow. She did two or three of them. Uh, but then she learned the entire set and was using that as part of her repertoire. Um, and she uh, plays them fantastically, you know, really just in every way, you know, they're just exactly what I want to hear. Um, uh, her interpretation and the first pianist's interpretation are different, and I love them both. I like the differences between yeah. them. Um, so, um, Unmi had then determined that what he, she would want to do, I think, is to record them along with something else which we hadn't decided yet. Mm -hmm. um, Robert McCormick was the one who suggested a concerto with mm -hmm. percussion. And I, he had done two of my pieces so far, so um, he knew my work. And I thought that was a great idea, so I, yeah. I, I took it up. He does those projects fairly often, with tends to be sort of piano or instrument and percussion ensemble um, uh, works. That when he was at USF, he was doing those quite a bit with right. the percussion group there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a whole series of concertos that for for Unmi. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are all, a lot of them, yeah, yeah for Unmi. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Barber wrote one. Right, Matt Barber and, 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 and Belginder second. Yeah, Belginder wrote one, and um, uh, uh, several other composers, actually, most of them connected to Eastman, um, yeah. wrote pieces for, for that. Yeah. Um, both, but not all. Another yeah, both, one not, who, not all, but yeah. Another yeah, one so who wrote for them yeah. was Anthony Green. Yes, Anthony Green wrote one. Now, mm -hmm. Another really amazing piece that Unmi's performed. I, I really yeah. love that piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a piece that I, I plan on having on, on a future podcast, um, hopefully having Anthony Green on as well. Oh, that would be but, terrific, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today and, and sitting down to talk about this. I've really enjoyed um, sort of having you on and uh, being able to introduce these pieces and, and talk a little bit more about Contemporary Music Project and, and Unmi um, on this podcast. So shout out to Unmi for all of the great work that she's doing. But, yeah, I, I, wish, uh, I wish for camp, you know, great success. I think that's a wonderful effort. 
and I, I hope things go well into the future. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again from here in the studio to David Liptak for sitting down with me and talking about some of his work and sharing some insightful information about himself and his practice. To conclude today's episode, I'm going to play some more selections from Constellations performed by Unmi Ko. This is Cygnus, Cassiopeia, and Volpecula. If you'd like to check out these recordings, you can find them on David Liptak's album Constellations, recorded by our pianist Unmi Ko. I'll include a link to that in the show notes.